Yo, what's going on, guys? My name is Chandler, the Geek Slays. Welcome back to the Scuffed Ass Podcast, episode 87. Today, we are going to have Jake Talk Sports on as a guest. He is just running a little late, and I didn't want to hold back the stream. So he will be jumping in with us here in just a little bit. Um, so there should be no worries there. Yeah, um, I'm going to try to do some housekeeping things, some updates for everyone. And, uh, yeah. So, for now, um, what is this? How many weeks have we been back on YouTube? I'm very intrigued. Um, so this is week three of being back officially, not being back, but just officially being on YouTube. So that's exciting, to a point. Um, I gotta stop saying um so much. What do y'all think of my new glasses, by the way? Got new glasses. I can see with my glasses. Oh, now, howdy, howdy. How you doing, friend? How are we doing? But, yeah. So, we have officially our third week on YouTube. Um, I just want to start getting this out there for episode 100. So, 13 weeks from now, which I think puts us middle of January, beginning of February, maybe late January, early February, I think. I did the math on it once. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, <laughs> but I still have big plans for episode 100, and that is to have everybody who's appeared on a guest come in, say hello, see what's going on. Hey, Hoon, I appreciate that. You helped me pick them out, though, because you were the only person I could text at the time and be like, hey, help me. I don't know what looks good here. <laughs> But, um, yeah, the plan for episode 100 is going to be to have everyone who's ever appeared as a guest on the show, at least for a minute that day. Uh, we'll see exactly how that goes, but just ordered your new glasses today. Well, that's exciting. That's always big excite. Big excite. New glasses are always great. Um, also, still working on... Christmas merch and the other merch stuff that was already promised. So, uh, the Wonderful President shirt, the Brains Are Weird shirt, uh, well, different merch styles. The Wonderful President, the Brains Are Weird, and what was the other one I promised? The My Blanket Gets More Action Than I Do. I am still currently working on those. Working on new stuff for Geekmas since that is coming up in about a month and a half. Good old December. We're uploading a YouTube video every day over on the main channel. Um, my commands don't work on YouTube, so don't try to get command links to pop up. I'd have to actually just come in and copy and paste stuff. Because for some reason, CloudBot doesn't work on YouTube. I don't know why, but it just doesn't seem to work, so... That's always tough. But, yeah, we are still working on a ton of stuff. I don't want to get into sports talk without Jake here. Um, okay. But, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm in a decent spot when it comes to where I'm at content creation-wise. So, 
I want to bring this up. I was looking back at my analytics for this time last year. So I think the number was like September 13th of last year to October 12th or whatever was what I was looking at from last year, what I'm looking at from this year. And what has happened is in that month span last year on Twitch, I was averaging 2.3 viewers and had only gained in that month, you know, I think it was eight subs, seven followers. And I had streamed for, in that one month period, over 200 hours. In that same one month period this year, like the same September 12th to October 13th or whatever, (laughs) all of my num, every single number was up except for hours streamed where I was down to 60 from over 200. So the one thing I want to say for anybody who aspires to content create and that type of thing, do not think that just because, you know, you are putting in the most hours, you should be reaping the most benefit. Because what I've learned is it's more important to figure out what time people enjoy watching your content. Because as you guys know, I used to stream at who the fuck knows when every day. Like, it was, yeah, I'm going to stream every day of the week, but who knows when I'll go live. So after doing that for a year, I could really comb through the analytics and be like, okay, people enjoy watching my content these days at these times. You know, you can go through what games you want to play, whatever. And that's really what I did. Um, and that's how we landed on the streaming from three to six at minimum. That doesn't mean I only stream for three hours every day that I stream, but that is what it turns into a lot right now because I'm not loving any of the games I play. Um, but that should improve as more games come out that I want to play. Seeing as we're in a new console generation over the next two years, we should be getting loads of really good games. So that should mean that we get more games to play on stream. Hopefully I'll fall in love with one like I have with Zombies or Fortnite in the past and can just play those constantly every day because it does suck not having a game that I, you know where you wake up and want to play. Because right now it's I wake up and it's like, man, what the fuck am I going to do? You know? That's always not the best, but I think that is not working for some reason. My overlays are being shitty. Um, We need... This is supposed to be subscription. Uh, most recent subscriber. There we go. And this one's supposed to be follower. I love when my shit doesn't work. What the hell? But, I mean, yeah, it's... When you're making content, it's all about viewing the analytics and what people want to watch. And it's something I'm still not great with on YouTube. I'm still trying to figure that out. Mostly because YouTube doesn't know what they want to watch. My videos get promoted so weirdly. 
like my four top videos have nothing to do with each other. It's like the complete breakdown of the zombie storyline, talking basketball with strangers on Omegle, the Oreo dunking thing, like dunking Oreos and random shit. And then I don't know what number four is, but it's not like any of the others. So when trying to judge, well, what do people want to see on YouTube? Who the fuck knows? Because YouTube doesn't know what I'm supposed to upload, so. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Donations, tips, subs. Where the fuck is follows? Interesting. Whatever. I'm I'm not in the mood. There we go. Nope. There we go. That's better. Okay. So, it's tough not to be talking about sports yet. That's the whole plan for today. But I really don't want to get super into it without Jake being here again. Um, and Twitter is not helping me out at all right now with almost anything. Uh, but, oh, so I did learn this is super cool. So, at the boy Dilly on Twitter, or Atomic Boy Dilly, or whatever you want to say, he m creates Fortnite uh, creative islands. And apparently, he has completely rebuilt the OG Fortnite map. So, we will be trying that. Uh, we will be trying to play on that map as soon as it drops. Go back to the OG, see how well he did at creating it. Um, it looks to me, though, like he forgot the most important location. So we will have to check that out. I also don't know if it's actually full size or if it's a little smaller, but... We will, we will definitely find out. Um, but he did ask, so he left out my favorite place, but then he asked apparently on Twitter to somewhere, I just lost the tweet, comment any last minute requests, which it's gotta be Cougar Dome. So the soccer stadium that was west of Tilted. If he adds that to the map, it'll be the best map in the world. Uh, I also have been intrigued with the idea of trying to do just more um, YouTube stuff, you know, I've been contemplating upping it to a video every day, but I'm going to wait on that and kind of see how I do during Geekmas. Like I will a hundred percent have a video up every day at noon, but I want to see how I'm doing when it comes to the content flow 
the editing flow and getting all of that work done and not completely destroying my sleep schedule and my stream schedule and all of that. So that's my, uh, that's going to be a goal maybe for the beginning of next year. We'll see how that feels. I'm also very intrigued because I don't remember them at all to go back. One of the things I'm going to do during Geekmas is go back and look at the video I made talking about my goals for this year and seeing if we came close to any of them because I kind of have a feeling we didn't. Which is tough, but it is what it is. Um, Jake should be here soonish, hopefully. So that's that's always good. We can finally jump into what everybody does truly want to hear. Um, it's also very interesting, the amount of people who think they know you or... whatever, because you're online all the time. Like, I'm sorry, how do you not realize you only see the pieces of content creators that they want you to see? You know that, right? You, like, as viewers, you don't know everything about your favorite creators. You just don't. So, I, that one's always interesting to me. But, Eh. I don't know. I'm I'm just ready for new shit to come out. Ooh, the Carnage and Venom symbiotes have been disabled. Interesting. Oh, apparently there was a Fortnite update today, I guess. Have to jump in and see what that's about later. Got Anthony Barr is back on the did not practice thing. Did he play last week? That's 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 the new question for us, actually. Did Anthony Barr suit up for the Vikings last week? Um, Yes, he did. He had three tackles. Okay. So, not good that he's on the injury report again. Um, Everson Griffin is kind of listed, but it wasn't injury-related. They just rested him because he's old. Justin Jefferson did not participate. Alexander Madison didn't. Michael Pierce did not participate. Adam Thielen did not. Dalvin Cook and Harrison Smith were both limited. CJ Ham was limited. Amir Smith-Marset was limited. Nick Vigil was a full go. Jesus. That's tough, man. The fact that Jay Jettas and Adam Thielen are both injured is not good. Not happy about that. But, yeah. Oh, interest. Really? Okay. So, we're going to talk about this here in a few minutes when Jake gets on here. But... Bleacher Report, Gridiron, got to make sure you add the Gridiron part, tweeted out their list of awards, right? So it's MVP is Josh Allen, okay. Offensive Rookie of the Year is Mac Jones, are you fucking kidding me? 
Jamar Chase right now is the offensive rookie of the year, and it's not close. He not only has been one of the best rookies, he's just been one of the best receivers, plain and simple. Defensive rookie of the year, they got Micah Parsons. The only guy I could really maybe see an argument for is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He has played great, but I I think I'd give it to Micah right now. Offensive player of the year, they got Derrick Henry. I don't see an issue with that as of this moment. Depoy, they got Miles Garrett. Fine. Uh, comeback player of the year, they got Dak. Yep. And, you know, the I, I could argue, though, Joe Burrow. But I think Dak is going to get it no matter what. And then Cliff's Kingberry, Cliff Kingsbury as coach of the year is definitely interesting. But Um. Okay, so this is also interesting. People bringing up the Lamar should be MVP and not Josh Allen, whatever. But somebody goes, Josh Allen has also played great and also beat the Chiefs. So did Lamar. Or are we, or are we just forgetting this part? Are we forgetting what Lamar did just because, well, he had close games with the Colts and the Lions. Lions have had close games with a lot of teams. Like I, I don't know what to I don't know what to say here. But I mean, Mac Jones is your rookie of the year. I'm sorry. Rondell Moore, Najee Harris. I already mentioned Jamar Chase. Fuck Kyle Pitts. None of the quarterbacks have looked good enough to be considered a rookie of the year caliber player right now. They just haven't. So I don't know. It's it's very it's very interesting. There are also talks about Oh fuck. Hey. Well howdy howdy, how we doing? We are doing we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So Yeah, yeah. Uh Started off with mostly easy stuff, but I was scrolling through Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I think this has to be the first thing I bring up because it is maybe the most flawed list of early front runner award things ever. That was terrible mm-hmm. phrasing. But Bleacher Report Bleacher Report Gridiron tweeted out their list mm-hmm. of front runners. So at MVP they mm-hmm. have Josh Allen. Okay. I don't love it, but I get it. I understand that. Like as much I, as I want to stick on like Kyler for MVP take, but I think that'll still end up happening. Josh Allen is definitely still in the race, so I'm fine with it. It's not blatantly terrible. This one's just awful. Offensive rookie of the year, Mac Jones. Um he's second to Jamar Chase right now. No shot. I don't think there's anybody else who's been statistically good enough to be the offensive rookie of the year besides Jamar Chase and him. Um, the other options would be Trey Lance, who hasn't played enough games and he hasn't even looked good. Trevor Lawrence throws too many picks, has not looked that good. Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson. I mean, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, the two main running backs in their class, are both average. I mean, Jamar Chase is obviously the front runner right now, but Mac Jones is probably at least second or third. See, just statistically. I- 
I still feel like Najee Harris is above Mac. Mm. And mm. personally, Rondell Moore. He's looked Rondell great. Moore hasn't Rondell Moore hasn't produced enough in the past few weeks to be considered a front runner at this point. I get where you're coming from with him because he looked really, really good in the first couple of games. Yeah. But he's been just kind of an average wide receiver for the past couple of weeks, which I in and that and he's somebody that I really want to see succeed, but I don't think that he it should be like a front runner in that race right now, because I think he, you can make an argument for Jamar Chase um, and Devonta Smith being the top two wide receivers in that class. I don't know. Right. I honestly couldn't tell you how Devonta Smith's looking because I don't pay attention to the Eagles whatsoever. Um, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you how. Um, how he's doing but i don't think he i mean uh, for me if i were to pick right now it'd be jamar chase for sure right uh defensive rookie of the year they're saying micah parsons which i agree with i think the only other nobody else oh go ahead nobody else even comes to mind uh for me and maybe it's just because i've seen more browns games jeremiah usu koromoa looks amazing Mm, yeah i i do like jok a lot but i think that Oh, I still I think know. Micah's ahead, but I think I think JOK that is second. he's at a disadvantage because he plays the same position as Michael Parsons. Yeah. So if he can't even be the best rookie defensive player at his position, he won't get looked at that much for right. the award. Uh-huh. Um, because none of the rookie corners look great. JC Horn, I don't even think's played yet. I think he's still hurt. Patrick Sertan, I haven't heard anything about him doing anything spectacular yet. So. Yeah, I think it's Michael Parsons. He's looked incredible. Yeah. But I will give it to you that JOK looks pretty good. To me, JOK, the only reason I bring him up is he's in second. And I don't know. It's weird mm. because they technically are playing the same position, but they're right. not playing the same position at all. That's the thing. It's it's with guys like Michael Parsons and Isaiah Simmons. The position that those two guys played in college doesn't really exist in the NFL. Right. Um, with the way that they play the linebacker position. Um, and that was kind of the criticism of Michael Parsons was coming into the season. People were thinking that that would have a negative effect on him. It hasn't so far. I think he's found a pretty good... Because there's a lot of things... People are saying that Michael Parsons should consider transitioning to being a defensive end yeah because he is more of just a pass rush linebacker and not so much of a coverage linebacker but he came out and said that he doesn't want to do that so i kind of kind of curious to see about um maybe he should be a defensive see honestly he's in coverage yeah i think he should become just a defensive end i think that would be better for him or just an edge rusher because that's what he's better at so far. Yeah, 100%. Uh, he's, yeah. Now, could that change? Obviously, he he can improve. I'm not saying he can't. But at this point, yeah. he just looks like an edge, not not a linebacker. He is a little short to be a, line, to be a defensive end, though. He's only 6'3". But that might be on like the shorter side of a defensive end. Yeah, to a point. But... We also have to remember that, you know, maybe the most dominant defensive lineman is only six feet tall. Yeah. So right. <laughs> mm-hmm. it only matters mm-hmm. to a point. Right. But sorry, I'm 
didn't introduce you very well. I just really yeah. wanted to talk about those two. <laughs> they bugged me so fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. To me, the the Mac Jones over Jamar Chase one really just bugs me. Because Jamar Chase not only has been one of the best rookies, but he's been one of the best wide receivers so far, just in general. Yeah. And Mac Jones hasn't been that good. And when you compare him to every other quarterback in the league, he's bottom 10. So is every other rookie. Here's why Mac Jones is first on that list. Because Offensive Rookie of the Year, like... MVP is a quarterback's award. Oh, absolutely. And Mac Jones is statistically the best rookie quarterback, which is why he's the frontrunner of that list. And it's the same thing. You can you can argue for days, and I'm sure you have your own take on this, about whether or not Justin Herbert should have won the Offensive Rookie of the Year last year over Jefferson. I think that he should have, even though I love Justin Jefferson. I do think that Justin Herbert deserved the award more than he did. But it's the same thing. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. Say Justin Jefferson has two more touchdowns and like 150 more receiving yards last season. I still think they give it to Justin Herbert because it's a quarterback's award. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate thing about it. Yeah, and that really is awful because to me, last year my argument was sure Justin Herbert looked great for a rookie quarterback, and yes, he broke rookie passing records, hundred percent. But the rookie passing records. Quarterbacks are broken every year almost. Like before Justin Herbert, it was Baker. Before Baker, I Cam. was it Cam? Did Cam I come out like or Andrew Luck? Because Andrew Luck beat it, Cam beat it. Basically, every I, really good rookie beats it. Pretty sure even Jameis Winston broke it as a rookie I year. I think he did, yeah. So to me, that is, you know one of the yep. easier things to do whereas what just, Justin Jefferson did breaking rookie records that had been in place since Anquan Bolden and yeah. Randy Moss did it in the late 90s matter more it's a, it's a weird situation because i i don't think there's been a, a rookie wide receiver that was put in the situation Justin Jefferson was cuz Justin Jefferson was immediately the wide receiver one on that team 100% and that's why he got the target yeah. that he did. I think that they trusted him more than they trusted Thielen. And he kind of proved that that might have been the right move. Even though Thielen's really, really good, Justin Jefferson's younger, faster, more explosive. I mean, so I think that they had a they had good reason to give him the targets that they did. But I feel like there's some rookie wide receivers that have been not as good, but almost to the level of Justin Jefferson that just haven't had the amount of production because they were the wide receiver two or three on their team. Fair enough. I, though, think the biggest thing for Justin Jefferson is he was brought in and just to fill the role of Stefan Diggs. Right. So it wasn't, you know, he just got the targets that would have went to Stefan because nothing really changed for Adam Thielen, you know, compared to every mm-hmm. other year before it. It was just instead of Stefan Diggs, it was Justin Jefferson making the big play. But mm-hmm. uh, so real quick, somebody in chat said that Micah should move to the Von Miller, TJ Watt role. Mostly rush the edge, but can cover occasionally. Micah's such a freak athlete. I think he can learn to be an above average coverage guy. 
which I don't disagree with. I don't really see TJ Watt as a coverage guy at all. Fair. <laughs> I, I feel like TJ Watt's basically just a defensive lineman, pure through and through at this point. Right. I know he, I think he's listed as a linebacker, like depth chart wise, but I don't see Von Miller. Von Miller, even. I don't remember the last time I saw Von Miller running down a tight end. <laughs> um, right. But. Um, I think a good comparison to somebody who can rush really well and also cover the pass really well, Fred Warner, Michael Kendricks, people like that. Yeah. Um, Fred Warner, especially, just because he's... Eric like, Kendricks, new, right? Newer. Eric, whatever the... Yeah, whoever the... You, you mentioned guy. the wrong brother. No. <laughs> whatever the Vikings linebacker who's like top five is, that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but Fred, Fred Warner, just because he's a lot newer to the league and everything, and he's been more prominent recently. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've watched him a lot because they've played the Packers, I think, three or four times at this point since he came into the league. Guy's a monster. Yeah. He'll, one play, he'll be either sacking or pretty or blasting Rodgers after he throws it, and then the next play, he'll be nearly picking him off. Um, and there are very few linebackers in the league who can do that. Michael Parsons, I think, can be that kind of person. I think he can. It, it's it's a lot to because the position he played in college was not really just a inside linebacker. He was right. Basically, it was like a lot of super talented guys in college where he didn't have plays drawn up. He just kind of made every play that he could possibly get to. You can't do that mm -hmm. in the NFL. He has to fill a role, and he has to now learn how to do that, which right. is going to take time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we were just talking. Uh, so we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago on your podcast, but, you know, mm -hmm. add a couple weeks to it. I want to hear your thoughts as a Packers fan on mm -hmm. the Packers. Let's talk about them Packers. Um... Okay, they in any in, in in any situation other than Mason Crosby existing, they would have had the Bengals without without a question. Um, they would have had the Bengals beat in regulation if Mason Crosby had to miss an extra point. They would have had the Bengals beat in overtime twice if Mason Crosby didn't miss a kick. But Mason Crosby is not going to have that bad of a day probably again this season. It's very similar to the way Rodgers played in Week One. He's not going to have that bad of a game. Again, the season he was playing on the road in heavy wind conditions, very very tough conditions, and for a guy who's like 36 or 37 trying to kick a football 51 yards in the wind, I it's understandable. Um, as a whole though, the Packers' offense looks just as good as I expected it to be. The defense is a, is a cause for concern, but also we were missing Jair Alexander. We were missing one of our key starting linebackers. We we're missing Zadarius Smith. I mean. I think that the defense will always be a problem. I don't think that there's any changing that. Um, Jair obviously helps, but Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers and Monte Adams, that's all they really need. And Honestly, they're 4-1. I don't really have much to complain about. I think, honestly, they're probably going to finish with only two or three more losses the way that they're playing. You know, I, I agree with that. I don't know. That defense scares me, though, when it comes playoff time. I That's mean, what everybody said last year, and they were in the NFC Championship, so. Yeah, but they've been to the NFC me. Championship, what, three years in a row now? Yeah, but they wouldn't have gotten there if that defense hadn't been able to hold its own loose a little bit in the playoffs. I, I, I don't think that 
Um, I think that any other NFC team that wasn't the Bucs last year in that NFC Championship, the Packers would have smoked them. Maybe. Kind of that the cards fell that way. But um, the biggest worry oh. now is if you look at every other team in the NFC, the Bucks offense looks unstoppable right now. The Cardinals, great. The Rams, great. I mean, I'm sure I'm for Dallas, their offense looks unbeatable right now. And their defense is playing weirdly good. I don't expect that to continue. They're, but the the thing that I always kind of always gives me comfort about the Packers is their defense can allow that many points, but also put up more than that. Right. Offensively. Right. And that's the thing. When the Cardinals, their defense is nothing incredibly special. They have had their moments this year. Chandler Jones had like five sacks in that first week one game. Yeah. But the Cardinals defense, secondary wise, besides Buda Baker, really isn't great. Um, and that kind of showed because they've gotten they've there there are some bad teams that have put up some decent points on the Cardinals this year. Yeah. Um and the Bucks defense is great. Um, but their offense their offense is containable. The Rams kind of exposed that. Their offense can be contained. Well, and the Bucks uh, defense does not look like it did last year at all. Yeah. And the Rams offense, I don't know. Matthew they, Stafford is Matt that you saw the you saw the Matt Stafford pick that he threw to the back of the end zone last week where literally yeah. there was no the receiver anywhere near him. Don't know what he was doing. He wasn't even being pressured, so it's not like he didn't have a clean pocket to throw the ball away. I don't know what he was doing. And the Rams offense, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they are a very high-scoring team this year. They've scored a good amount of points, but, I mean, the Cardinals beat them. Let's not forget that. Right, right. But um... And they almost lost Geno Smith, so... Okay, I don't know about so to be fair, the Geno Smith thing is getting way overhyped, and it's bugging me. I was doing it too the night of the game because it was fun, but <laughs> I uh okay, I broke this down on the most recent episode of my podcast. Me and my friends talked about um talked about Geno Smith and realistically how many games they could win. I the, with the way their schedule looks, I think they can get three wins out of Geno Smith. All right, I'm going to look because I doubt it. The next six to eight weeks for them. They have the Steelers, Saints, Jaguars, Packers, Cardinals, and then Washington. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they can win all three of those first three games and maybe even beat Washington. I... Seahawks, they play in the Steelers. That could easily be a win because the Seahawks defense can probably handle Big Ben. They can probably handle Big Ben. Maybe. Denver's defense couldn't, and Denver's defense is two miles ahead of the Seahawks defense. Yeah, Yeah, but Denver's defense might also not be as good as it was cracked up to be preseason. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Jaguars... Might not even win a game this year. Yeah, so yeah I'll give them. Easy. See, I want to give them the Jaguars one, but we've seen Trevor Lawrence get better every week. Yeah, and, and the Saints are the most confusing team in the NFL. So I think that there's always. Oh yeah. Reminder: the Saints lost to Daniel Jones. Right. So and the Seahawks defense is probably better than the Giants. Right. 
So that could probably be a win, depending on which Saints show up. And then the Cardinals will smoke them. Yeah, I, I could see Cardinals that. will smoke them with Geno Smith. No chance. Uh, so then, but... the biggest thing, though, is you have to remember that now that everybody knows it's Geno, he doesn't get the benefit of the Rams' defense drew up their defense based on Russell Wilson, and Geno plays right. nothing like that. Yeah, I just think it's really funny how we went from in, in the beginning of the offseason to the everyone talking about the potential of the NFC West having four playoff, playoff teams, when, when in reality at this point they're probably only going to have the Rams and the Cardinals. Right. And 49ers look terrible. They look so bad. Yeah. Even literally, everyone's like, "Oh, well, if the, if the Niners play bad, just put Trey in," and they did, and they still look bad. So yeah. whoever you choose the quarterback at this point, I feel like that team still goes under five hundred, which is impossible to go five hundred now. But you know what I'm saying, right? But I see, I don't know, I I don't see the Seahawks winning many games with Geno. I I don't think they beat the Steelers. I will say that their um their schedule when Russell's scheduled to come back, they could win out. Yeah, yeah, they could. I don't know exactly which game only, he'll come back the only, in. But... The only tough opponent for when he comes back, I think, is Arizona, and that's a divisional game, so that could go either way. Uh, Arizona and the Rams are two games they'll have when he comes back. Right, and I think Russell Wilson, if Russell Wilson had been in for that drive that Geno Smith threw the pick at the end of the game that last one, would have been a win for the Seahawks. I think, I think it would have still been a pick because Tyler Lockett easily. still falls down. That wasn't Geno's fault. Yeah, but quarterback, different quarterbacks make different reads. Might not have even been looking in that direction. That's fair. That's fair. Russell but, Wilson also might have just ran that football. <laughs> that's that's um, also true, 100%. I think that they could easily steal a game off the Rams and the Cardinals just – because they're divisional games and the NFC West divisional games are 100%. always percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um so this was so did you watch the Monday night game the Ravens and the Colts? No, I was okay. working, but okay. I did see that Lamar Jackson threw for like 500 yards and five touchdowns. Oh, I didn't even want to speak about Lamar like that wasn't the point of that one. Lamar played great, so I put I put a tweet out about it. I don't know if you saw it or not. I can't remember, but Calais Campbell on like field goal protection might be the most dangerous man to ever live when it comes to affecting field goals. I think he might be the best to ever do it. And it's not just based off that game. I mean, he holds the record for most blocked kicks in NFL history, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, so watching that, that game, he blocked the, the kick uh, right before the Ravens took the lead. He gave them the ability to take the lead with that block. And then in uh, at the end of regulation, when the Colts had a chance to win it, he didn't block it. But, uh, God, I can never remember the Colts kicker's name. Blankenship. Rodrigo Blankenship. Thank you. Kicked it left. Like, 
he hooked it to avoid Calais Campbell, who would have blocked it if he just tried to kick it normal. Like, he had just as much impact on that that kick as he did on the one he blocked. And it's just mm. wild to me. Yeah. My my takeaway from that game is that the Colts are the worst team in... in, in no. Whoa. They're, they're, they're bad. They're bad. They're I, terrible. Man, terrible. I, I don't think they are. I think they're bad. They looked really good in that game. Carson Wentz played amazing. It just lost. Yeah, but you got to be able to beat good teams. That's fair. They're not a playoff team, man. They're not a. That's fair. If you got to beat good teams, but you have to beat good teams, and that's not really a cakewalk division. The Titans handed it to them when they played the first time, and that's the best team in their division. Yeah. They could probably beat the Texans. What do you do? They probably beat the Jags. Good for you. Who cares? I don't know. I think I I, I, I was still... high on the Colts coming in, and I and I definitely am regretting that decision now because I think that they're probably going to win four or five games. See, I I still think they could bounce back, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I just I think it's a possibility that they improve. Five now. One and uh, five. One and four, I believe. One and four. That's just tough to make the playoffs. Yeah. Starting that badly. 100%. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about them. But the Ravens, Lamar Jackson looked incredible. Yeah. Um, and it was really funny because we have, like, a fantasy league for my floor in college, and my friend comes up to me. He's like, so he had a 1% chance of winning Yeah. 90, 90% into the third quarter of that game. And all he had left was Lamar. And by the end of the game, he he won the fantasy game. Yeah. Cause I don't know what I don't know what happened. Like I said, I didn't watch it, but Lamar apparently did not do much in the first three quarters. Not really. And all no. of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, he was going ballistic. So. Right. Uh. So I had the same situation. Only instead of Lamar, I had Mark Andrews. Was down points, by maybe. 30 points going into Monday points, night. <laughs> that guy. Okay. Also, you know what? I want to call you on this. You said when we first started the league that you were very, very unhappy with your team and with the league. I You're 4-1. I okay. don't want to hear it. You're 4-1. No, okay. So I got to share this it. with you. No, I have to say this because that's how my takes went, apparently. So my Hooked on a Thielen team for our TikTok league, I didn't draft them. I wasn't feeling super confident about them. I'm four and one. My other league that I'm doing with just a bunch of people from around where I'm at, mm-hmm. I feel like I have the best team ever created. I'm two and three. So here's my That's lineup. Fantastic. Here's my lineup. I got Lamar at quarterback. I got Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, all at running back. And Alexander Madison, because I had to pick up somebody when Dalvin got hurt. Uh, <laughs> then I got DeAndre Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Gesicki, Kyle Pitts, Mike Williams, the Rams defense, and then Greg Zerline at kicker. I thought I was going to win every game, and it just hasn't happened. I mean... I do feel very dumb, though. Last week, I benched Lamar for Matthew Stafford because Lamar wasn't putting up the points I needed him to. And if I wouldn't yeah. have done that, my team would have scored 250 points. 
You talking about you benched Lamar like this past week? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, going into the Colts game, I benched him for Matthew Stafford. Because Stafford had been outperforming him. I think Is this a PPR league? uh, Yes. Who are your receivers again? Uh, CeeDee Lamb. uh, Which? Oh, yeah. That league. Uh, Hold on. Lost my team. (laughs) (laughs) So DeAndre Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb, and Mike Williams are my starters. I mean, Mike Williams yeah. is putting in fucking work, and I love it. I don't know. What, yeah, I don't know what happened with him. Um, but he uh, kind of kind of popping off. Yes, I he is. He's always been a good fantasy receiver. Honestly, I don't see why everyone. He's not never been this good. But I remember when I was like a kid, I used to do a fantasy league with like my family, like my like my grandpa and my dad and everybody. Yeah. And I remember I had Mike Williams one year, and he was like incredible. And I used to like I, I he was like one of my favorite players on my team. So I think Mike Williams has always been a good fantasy receiver. His issues have been injuries and then lack of like production, like use basically, because they would throw to Keenan yeah. Allen more than they would ever throw to Mike Williams. Whereas yeah. now Mike has become yeah. so dominant with that back shoulder fade him and Justin Herbert have, it's unbeatable right now. And so mm-hmm. he's going to get you a touchdown at least with that every game so far. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's lining it up. But, all right, I want to speak with you about my Vikings very quickly. I say quickly, but I want to know what do you think so far of the Vikings? The unluckiest team in NFL history. Thank you. <laughs> I Oh, the what the thing the thing that worries me about Minnesota is that they even had to make had to make that kick to beat the Lions. <laughs> um the Lions, I will admit they might be the second unlucky. Oh yeah, when it comes to this year, first Justin Tucker drills a sixty-six yarder. They were on the verge of beating one of the best teams in the AFC, and then they're on the verge of beating a divisional opponent. And Greg Joseph, who by no means is an elite kicker, steps up <laughs> and buries, Dude. however long it was, a fifty-something yarder. And I remember I was watching Red Zone. And they had that kick on. I'm just sitting here thinking. If, if if this guy makes this, I'm officially gonna pity the Lions, dude. Because that's just tough. How do you lose to the Vikings on a game-winning field goal? Those are gimmies. Yeah. The Vikings miss those every time. The Lions are the best bad team I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They are I'm way not even better joking. than zero and five. A hundred percent. They're zero and five, but they would cream, and I mean destroy the Jaguars. The Jaguars, the Texans. The Giants. We're all, I'm just talking about 0-5 teams. Yeah. They are not in that category with the Jaguars right now. No. Dan Campbell, I will guarantee you, is a better NFL head coach than Urban Meyer is. Dan Campbell is the best coach for the Detroit Lions that they could have hired. He might be. This might be a hot take. It probably will be, but go ahead. He might be the best coach in the AFC North. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. I don't hate I Zimmer that, as much as other Vikings fans do, but he has the most respect from his players out of any coach. Oh, a hundred percent. People don't like Mike Zimmer. No, 
People don't like Matt Nagy. People don't like Matt Nagy. And people don't like which LaFleur is it? Because there's like 12 of them. Matt. Matt. Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Matt LaFleur. People like him. It's just he doesn't have the level of command that Dan Campbell does. Right. Like that Dan Campbell's presence alone, if I was playing for Dan Campbell, you listen when he speaks. And you think about it. So, okay, we're, we're off on a tangent. Back to you, Vikings. No, it's fine. We can stay on the tangent. I'm good with it because okay. it, it leads into what I want to talk about anyway. So. Dan Campbell, uh, he was crying during his press conference when he was talking about like how bad he felt for his players having to lose in that fashion twi- two twice. Weeks. He cares so much about that team. Right. And the Lions are going to be bad this year. Oh, but 100%. next year... If they get a high draft pick, and I don't even know what a positional need for them right is, is right Everything. now. Everything. They're not going to quarterback. They have, Jared Goff, they're not going to replace him. They're not going to – they have DeAndre Swift, and they have Jamal Williams. They have a decent offensive line. Their corners with Jeff Okuda back are decent. I would probably draft another – I would draft the wide receiver if I were them, obviously. I'd either um, go wide receiver or if you have the number one overall pick, I'd go Kayvon Thibodeau. 100%. He's a defensive end, right? Yep. Get that pass rush. Yeah. Put him opposite Trey Flowers. It'll be great. Where does where, where does he play? Oregon, I believe. Double yeah, checking. somewhere like that. Yeah, somewhere like that. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, Oregon. The Lions. I'm still sticking to my take I had earlier in this early in the preseason where I said the Lions would be a five or six win team. I think that could still happen. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't know what their schedule looks um, like, but I mean, they've played most teams. The thing is, they still have, they've played all three divisional opponents already. Yep. They still have the Packers once, which hopefully that's, hopefully the Packers (laughs) win that game. You never know though. They have the capability of beating the Bears. Actually, the Bears kind of crushed them now that I think about it. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I'm just saying, if I'm a Vikings fan, that causes a little bit of concern that oh. they needed to win in this fashion. See, it, I, I'm just struggling with how the fuck did we have three minutes left in that game? We were up by nine points. How did we let them come back like that? Like because a lot because people underestimate the fight that the Lions have this year. I think. It happened with the Packers, too. The Packers were ahead of them, and the Lions started to kind of crawl back into it because the Lions are a team this year that if any, if, if they can't do anything else right, they're not going to stop pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Well, just like Dan Campbell said in his uh, Dan, yeah. first press conference, we're going to get knocked on our ass, but as we come up, we're biting some kneecaps, and, and that's what they exactly. do. They're biting kneecaps, bro. <laughs> As goofy as we all thought that was, it turned out to be exactly what this team is. Yeah, Dan Camp. No matter how much they're down by, they're gonna they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna like pound on you a little bit. Absolutely, they're gonna hit you hard, and that's exactly what happened in that Vikings game. The Vikings underestimated them and almost let it slip. Um, but, so I don't know. Oh, I just think that there needs to be more production from people not named Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. To be fair, Adam Thielen got two targets against the Lions. Two. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. 
he's, you know, I, I don't care where you rank him, but he's one of the three best route runners in the league. I can promise you he's getting open. Why are we not looking his way? I get it. Justin Jefferson is more of a big play threat, but you don't always need big plays. Sometimes you just need seven yards. And Adam Thielen might be the best receiver in the league for just getting open at 10 yards and just making it seems every to me catch. Like Kirk Cousins has always thought of Adam Thielen as his secondary target. That's, yeah, seems like it. Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson. Unless it comes to the red zone, then he only throws to Thielen for whatever reason. <laughs> right. Like inside the 10, we're going to Thielen if we're not running to it. Me, it just seems to me like he's never thought of Adam Thielen as his number one guy, true, truthfully. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of evident, which is why he Adam Thielen's always kind of a risky fantasy pickup. Yeah. Because Adam Thielen can get you 45 points in a game and then eight the next game. Yep. Or he'll get you 30 and then three. It's just, he's, I don't know. He just doesn't get the production that a guy like him should get, I should say. For me, the other issue, uh, with the, the biggest issue with the Vikings does come down to coaching. But everyone's piling it on Mike Zimmer for some reason, which is weird. Like, they're talking about, well, your offense and being so conservative. Zimmer doesn't call the offense. He's He calls the defense. That's Clint Kubiak's job. He, Clint Kubiak is running that offense the same way Gary yeah. did and the same way Gary has run every offense. Look at when we had Pat Shermer in 2017 and we're really good as an offense with Case Keenum. That's because we weren't just conservative. We m would keep the pedal on the floor against teams so that our defense wouldn't have to have this stress of we can't allow a touchdown or else the Lions beat us. I don't feel like that's on Zim. Um, I don't know. I think your defense as a whole is, if I were a Vikings fan, still kind of a cause for concern. Is it, though? Just a little bit. Just a little. I mean... Um, it... Here's what I'll say. The Vikings defense is not good enough to hold teams to the amount of points that the Vikings can outscore. That's what I that's what I should say. It, that's what happened in the Cardinals game. That's what happened just about in the Lions game. I don't think the the Vikings defense is good enough to hold the team to a certain amount of points the Vikings can outscore. I mean, I don't know. It, the Bengals game was just weird in general. For a lot of reasons. But Depending on what happens this week, the, the Vikings could be the only NFC North team to lose to the Bengals this year. Which is kind of weird. Right. I don't know. The, I don't think the I don't think the Lions will beat the Bengals, but that would just be extremely weird. Right. The Bengals are a lot better than people initially thought though. I uh, will I, I will I will give that to them after watching that game. Yeah. Joe Burrow Week one, it, it felt it, kind of fluky. But... It was it, it was it was pretty evident that Joe Burrow was not ready for the big stage, the big because he threw a pick on the first throw of overtime. And guess what happened, Mason Crosby? You, dude, I swear <laughs> I should have I should have I should have recorded it. This I went ballistic that entire like end of that game. I was going nuts. It 
I have never in my lifetime seen Crosby miss that many kicks in a game. I Welcome to I've being ever... a Vikings fan, my friend. I don't think I have ever in my lifetime as a Packers fan watched a game where Crosby missed that many kicks. Probably and not. And he does it all in the most absolute <laughs> clutch moments. And then he just ste- and then he just steps up all calm, cool, and confident and drills like a 50-yarder to win the game. Yep. And I don't understand that. Nope. And, the, and people are trashing Mason Crosby, but... The Bengals kicker missed kicks too. Yeah, the Bengals kicker. That's See, but I, I I was gonna say the difference for most people is McPherson's a rookie, and Crosby's a what twenty four year NFL vet. Like that also might that also might give McPherson a little bit of an advantage because he's younger and probably has a stronger leg. Stronger but, leg, sure, but has he built up the? A bit, I think the McPherson's like really good kicker in the NFL. He looks good. Maybe he two game winners in his first four, five games is pretty good. But I mean, if you look at the Vikings games, every loss has been within one score, but our wins we've outscored like so. The Vikings Bengals game we lost by three. We probably shouldn't have lost. Dalvin Cook was down, but whatever. The Cardinals game we lost by one point. We were in right. field goal range. We just missed. The Seahawks mm-hmm. game, we beat them by 13. The Browns game, lost by seven. The that Lions game, game only won by two. What? That Browns game shouldn't count for either team. Why is that? That was the weirdest game I've oh, ever yeah. seen. It. 14, what was it, like 14 to seven? 14 to seven. That's just, that, no no team should be proud or disappointed by that game. It was just. Oh, yeah. I'm, the most annoying part of it to me and I think everybody has talked about the Adam Thielen missed pass interference at the end of the game on the mm-hmm. what wasn't technically a Hail Mary, but the deep throw where he was getting tackled before the ball left Kirk Cousins' hands and somehow that wasn't pass interference. Yeah. I went back and watched every single offensive play for the Vikings from that game. Yeah. Adam Thielen, the reason he didn't look good was because he was tackled every play before Kirk Cousins threw it. There were 33 missed pass interference calls in that game. Like, I don't know how I, that happens, but that's insane. NFL refs suck. Oh, yeah. But, it's not even like it's happening to just one team this year. No. Everybody's getting screwed over. Yep, 100%. Like, I didn't watch it, but I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about how the Chargers got handed the game by the refs against the Browns, but they did. I didn't watch it. Sorry, really but don't know. But to me, it ended. was like, well,. Browns, you got handed the game in Minnesota last week, so all's fair. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, NFL refs are just so inconsistent that no team can complain about them without somebody else saying, hey, our team got the exact same thing done to us. But when it comes to talking about Mike Zimmer, my question has been, Mike Zimmer, like as a coach, it's your job to put te- your team in a position to win the game, right? He's very close to being fired. I 100% agree, but I don't know if he should be. Because, like, let's think about these losses, right? What are your what? Sorry, what are your general thoughts on the Vikings front office? I dislike just it out of very curiosity. Much. Uh, what Spiel, is? Spielman, I, guess I, I guess I shouldn't have. I guess I shouldn't have asked yours. What is the general Minnesota Vikings fan base consensus on the front office? That's that it's very bad. Okay, and I agree with. 100% with the front office. Spielman is the most hit-and-miss GM in the NFL. Like, yeah, he drafted Justin Jefferson. That's cool. Did he and, draft Thielen? 
uh, no, because nobody drafted Thielen. He was undrafted. Oh, okay. We just brought him on because he went to school in Minnesota, high school and college. And we brought him on basically as a practice squad guy. And he just busted his ass to get a shot, I think, in 2016. Yeah, that was Teddy Bridgewater. No, maybe 2015. Whatever year Blair Walsh wide lefted it against the Seahawks in the wild card game. That was 2015. Yeah, Thielen finally got a shot to get in the game, and he just made every catch we needed him to. So he just was an undrafted guy. He just busted his ass to get on the field. And yeah. I'm glad he did. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Spielman, <clears throat> the biggest issue is the most important positions on the field, he can't figure out. Like, he can't yeah. figure out our quarterback spot. He can't figure out our offensive line. <clears throat> and with that so is you, a problem. You, you know the Vikings front office. Yep. If you were them and you, you knowing them, is Mike Zimmer going to have a job at the end of this year? Yes or no? Just knowing, predicting what that front office is going to do. Do you think Zimmer will still be the head coach? Um, it honestly, it'll depend on how we finish the season. I don't think there's any way he gets fired midseason. That's what I. Oh, would say. he is not getting fired midseason. We don't do that. The Vikings don't do that unless it's yep. a have to uh, thing, uh, like the like coach is just room. that bad, or yeah, that type of situation. Sure. But with the way Mike Zimmer is, he's going to finish out the season, and then it'll come down to, were we a contending, like, were we in contention for the playoffs? If we were, he's not getting fired. If we turn into a team that finishes the season with less than eight wins, I think he's gone. That's what I, based off of our front office history, that's what'll happen. Um... I know we just touched on it about the John Green situation. Yeah. Who who do you think is going to be the next coach of the Raiders? Oof. I thought that would be interesting to talk about. Because I just I, – I, I'm just asking this because I just pulled up uh, Instagram. And CBS Sports put out their top five candidates. Ooh, what are Eric, they? Eric Biennemi. I the hope Chiefs not. guy who has been considered for literally every head coaching job ever. Ellen Moore. Offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. I can see that. Brian Left, Byron Leftwich. I, I, yep. He's the offensive coordinator for the Bucks. I don't yep. know who that is. He's the offensive um, coordinator and play caller for the Bucks. Brian DeBull, who's a Bills guy. No idea what he calls. He's the offensive coordinator, I believe. Brian Dable. And then Matt Eberfluss from the Colts. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I have no clue who he is. But those are the top five candidates that CBS Sports listed for them. With the enemy being one and more two, the way I read it, basically. So, for me, I feel like Zimmer is going to be gone at the end of the year. And I want the enemy to be the Vikings coach if we do let go okay. of Zimmer. I was, so, I don't want to say really him. Curious as to why, I was really curious as to why you were like, I hope not, because Eric Bannon was great. <laughs> yeah, because I want him in Minnesota. If we fire Zimmer, I want the enemy, not the Raiders. <laughs> but... Just, um, just like if Mike Tomlin got fired, I'd want him to be the Vikings' next coach. I mean, fuck, he started there. So. Yeah, but Mike Tomlin uh, isn't going anywhere. I, I know. Mike Mike Tomlin, there is no blame to be placed on Mike Tomlin for the Steelers' struggles. Well, everybody wants to blame him because he won't bench Big Ben, but 
Can we stop pretending yeah. like Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph is better? Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. Mm. I'm trying to think of what I want to say. I want to say something positive about Dwayne Haskins, but not too positive. <laughs> I think that with Dwayne Haskins, they would probably have the same record that they do now. Yeah. He's not that much of an improvement, so why take Dwayne that Haskins out? probably could have beaten Denver. Dwayne Haskins probably could have beaten... Dwayne Haskins actually scratched that. They would have gotten crushed by Buffalo if Dwayne Haskins had played. That's true. I think Big that Ben just say. understanding the game say. 100% more helped them. Big Ben knows more about the game of football. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's just what like... What about the Steelers and uh, trying to start guys with off-the-field issues constantly? Because they're the home of second chances, I guess. I guess so. Like, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, even Big Ben. Yep. The, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Pittsburgh's just a really easy place to get into trouble. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, Big Ben is terrible. But. um, I think he there's probably a chance he's the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. I, I, I would agree. But I think... David Davis Mills kinda of bald. He kinda of bald against the Patriots. Kinda. I think that's still Tyrod's team though. At least I hope so. That poor guy, man. Starter in Los Angeles gets his lungs punctured by a team doctor. Starter in Cleveland gets a concussion. Starter in Houston gets I don't know what happened to him in Houston, I, but I don't remember exactly what happened in Houston. But you also have to starter... remember starter in Buffalo. And then they draft Josh Nathan Allen. Thierman. <laughs> he got no, but they went to the playoffs the year before that. Yeah. Two years before Josh Allen, they went to the playoffs. Got beat by the Jags in the wild card. And then he gets benched for Nathan Peterman, who throws five interceptions in the game, gets put back in, regains the starting job, and then they draft Josh Allen, who yep. starts, plays bad. Everyone's like, why would you do that? And now Josh Allen's obviously great, but... <laughs> And honestly, I think if Tyrod had been out there for the Texans, I think they beat the Patriots last week. I really do. I don't think it was the offense's fault. No, but I think... It kind of seems like the defense blew it. Yeah, but also just the veteran savvy of Tyrod. His knowledge of football is much higher than Davis Mills, just like Ben's over Dwayne Haskins. I mm. think it changes the mm. game having Tyrod compared to a rookie. I just do. Mm-hmm. But, man, that guy is the unluckiest quarterback in NFL history, I swear. I'm, I'm just glad he has a ring, man. Just glad he has a ring. Right. But um, but the last thing I was going to say about the Vikings, though, and the blame on Mike Zimmer, the Bengals game, right? Is it Mike Zimmer's fault that Dalvin Cook fumbled the ball? I don't – he didn't, but is it his fault that that happened? I mean, they were in field goal range with a chance to win the game, and Dalvin fumbled, even though it wasn't a fumble. Right. Uh, the Cardinals game, they get in position to win the game with a field goal, and they miss it. I can't blame Zimmer for that. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the game plan was good. I mean, we stopped the Cardinals more than a lot of teams have been able to. The yeah. Recent weeks have made that a little different, but... The first three games of the season, the Cardinals looked unstoppable. And, you know, there were drives where 
the Cardinals' offense couldn't do anything. Minnesota's defense was at least keeping us in the game. Kirk did everything he could, and Joseph missed the field goal. The Seattle game, we won, so not much to talk about. The Browns game, we were within seven points, and if any of the pass interference calls get called, or the Eric Kendricks ghost pass interference doesn't get called, that would have just been a 7-7 game at the end. Mm -hmm. The Eric Kendricks call was awful. Yeah. I want to read you something quick. Okay. I don't know how you feel about pro football focus. Eh. But they put out a quarterback rankings for after after week six. Here are their top six. Okay. Brady. Okay. Lamar. Okay. Stafford. Herbert. Mahomes. And you have one guess as to who they put at number six. I'm guessing they put Kirk at number six. No. Really? Who did they put at number six? My boy Danny Dimes. No shot! What? Who, if you remember in week six, got hurt. Yeah. He, he also, got hurt. He didn't even play 90% of the game. He's Mike the worst-looking quarterback in his division, man. <laughs> like, he's you can't six. tell me he's over better than Aaron Dak. Rodgers, he's over, he's, he's over Dak, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar, not Lamar, sorry, Kyler, Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't even put him over Baker. Or, no. Literally. Like, think about his division. Yeah. Right now, just through the five weeks of this season from what we've seen, 100% we both want Dak over Daniel Jones. That one's not hard. Do you want Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts over Daniel Jones? Because I think I do. Um. Jalen Hurts has a way less talented team and has actually won games and kept games close. Danny Dimes has looked awful against other bad teams. Those two are very equal. They're both they're both bad. I can tell you that. I mean, I think I would put Heineke over. Oh, I a hundred percent want Heineke over both Hertz and Danny Dimes right now. Heineke has been balling out. Hmm. I mm-hmm. mean. Hmm. Is he perfect? Heineke. No, but most guys aren't. Is he? He's very clearly a good option for the franchise guy in Washington. Oh yeah, because sure. he's he's like young, like he's not even old. No, like he's... everyone's talking about how like he bounced around before the league. He's like twenty four, twenty five still. Taylor Heineke is right now. He is twenty eight, but oh, no, he's twenty eight. Definitely a little older than I thought he was. Yeah, but that's not old. Um... I mean, look at he's got. Probably another 12 years, especially since he hasn't taken the hits because up until this point, he hasn't played. Right. Because he never had the chance. So, I mean, he doesn't have that wear and tear on his body. So he basically is a 25-year-old quarterback when you're looking at Mm. it that way, just with, you know, he's been Mm. on more teams, learned from more guys, so he's probably mentally better than most 24 or 25-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so far from everything I've seen from him as a starter, Heineke looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's just another one of those guys like Teddy where Minnesota had these guys on their roster at the same time. Chose Kirk Cousins, and it annoys me. <laughs> yeah. Because I still love the way Teddy looks this year. The Broncos' defense might not be as good as we thought they would be, but 
No, they're definitely not as good as people thought they would be. Teddy is 100% overperforming what everyone expected, though. Yeah, but Teddy did the one thing that he doesn't do against the Steelers, which is turn the ball over in a crucial moment. Um, I mean, that that kind of sucked to watch. It was basically the final play of the game, and it was just score or you lose, and he just tried to make a play, and it didn't work out. It happens. Yeah. But... and. You still there? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you were you were in the middle of a sentence and just dropped out. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Sorry. What was I saying? Uh, we were talking about Teddy Bridgewater and had a moment. him. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater. That he doesn't do. Top 15 quarterback probably this year. 100%. Oh, 100%. Speaking of top 15, I got to call you on something. Oh, good God. I think Let's you know get what into I'm it. Call you. Please do, because you're wrong. It. <laughs> it literally took every bone in my body to not throw my phone when I saw your video. That Tyree is the Hill most is not ridiculous, stupid thing I've no, ever seen not. somebody say. You are overrating it, it, him 100%. Tyree kills hands. You got you're you're underrating his hands so much. You're you're telling me that you don't think that you think there are 15 receivers in the league better than Tyree Kill. Absolutely. There is no shot. Absolutely no shot. Tell me, name one of the receivers in the league who in the past five years has had 200 yards in two quarters and two touchdowns to pair with it. Literally nobody. And that was against a Bucks secondary that is very 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 good. Tyree Kill is 100% at least a top 15 receiver. I agree that he's maybe overhyped to be a top three receiver, but not top 15. There is no way that you can name top 15 receivers that I are did. better than Tyreek. I did, though. In the next video, I put out my top 10 wide receivers list, and even at the end of that, added more people. Give me a second. Like, it's... Give me a second. No, I'll just tell you what I ranked. I can... I'll, I'll, I'll put it out again. But I had D-Hop, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Julio Jones. Uh, That's it right there. That's it right there. No. No. Look, That's it right look there. At, you can just stop talking there, and I can tell you that you, I already found one that Tyreek's better than. What, you're going to say Julio? Yeah. No. He's better than Julio Jones. This what is year he, is better than Name Julio one Jones. thing he does right better now, than Julio awesome. except run in a straight fucking line. Because he can't run routes. I'm a better route runner than Tyreek Hill. We've seen that multiple times in the, in the last six games, multiple times. But right now, this year, Cooper Cup, 100% better. 100%. Better hands, That's... better route runner. I mean. Oh, man. All right, you're, keep going. You're really going to tell me no? I mean. Yeah, I'm going to tell you no. 100%. Why? For For what reason? What? Tyreek Hill is so much more developed and better of, a, of a, just a general. Better at doing player. what? Running in a straight line and dropping the football? There's, there's a difference between Cooper Cup being literally the only guy that Stafford targets on the Rams than Tyreek Hill. But what I'm saying is, who's a better route runner, that. Cooper Cup or Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill. No. 
No, he's not. Cooper Cup's a good route runner. You you can't mistake. Tyree Kill's route running is is good to a point where nobody nobody can even cover him. No, Tyree Kill's he's route not, running is below average. He's not always just running average. in a straight line. He's if he's, if he's expected he to run any other route, route, he can't do it. Look at the Super Bowl. They took away the deep threat. Tyree Kill became the most useless player on the field. He couldn't catch. He couldn't run routes. He couldn't get open. There was I, nothing he could do. I did, not just, not just in the Super Bowl. No there have been three games already this year where he's done that. Yeah, in the other two, he's got. Have you found any? Have you found any list anywhere that doesn't have Tyreek Hill as a top fifteen wide receiver? No. Besides your own. No. Right. Because you're wrong. No, it's because everyone's overrating his speed. I'm sorry. Swap Tyreek Hill and what? Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs does the exact same thing. Hundred percent. It's all the offense that he's in. No. Yeah. Tyreek can catch. Neither can Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is better at catching, sure. But let's not act like Tyreek Hill is on the same level as DeAndre mm -hmm. Hopkins. I just don't think there's any way he's not top. That's me. I, I'm 100% sticking with he's not top 10. There are guys, like, because I listed my five guys after the top ten who I'd rank above them, and there are arguments for Tyreek Hill maybe being better. I just don't mm -hmm. agree with them because I think it doesn't take that much to do what Tyreek Hill does. There are seven or eight other receivers in the league with speed close to Tyreek Hill's who can do the exact same role, whereas Tyreek mm -hmm. Hill could never fill the role that DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, those type of guys do because he's not a good enough route runner. He doesn't have a good enough hands. He's not going to make contested catches ever. He's too small. That doesn't make 15 receivers better than him. Why? But Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins, 100% better. I will not accept an argument that Tyreek's better than any of them. I don't – I mean – that's I'm not I'm off. not saying Tyreek's better than Devontae and D Hop, but he's certainly not worse than fifteen receivers in the NFL. Man, I don't know. I do. So you're telling me on any team other than the Chiefs or the Bills, because those are the two quarterbacks who can make use of Tyreek Hill's speed the best. So let's say on the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. You want Tyreek Hill over Justin Jefferson. Yep. How? What does Tyreek do better? He's faster, runs better routes. He doesn't run better routes, though. Ever. He's never proven he can run good routes. He can who's run a in a straight line. Who's the better chance of, who has a better chance of being open? Justin Jefferson. That's baloney. No, it's not. The, the whole the whole Patrick Mahomes, like, screw it, Tyreek's down, down there somewhere, it that's not that's a joke, but that's also a fact. Because Tyreek's always open, no matter where he's going to put the ball. If Tyreek ran in a straight line and just got to make it a track meet, sure. But right. again, he, he Patty Mahomes can take advantage of throwing knows. it eighty yards. Kirk Cousins can't throw; doesn't have the arm strength that Patty Mahomes has. Again, you are okay, crediting Tyreek on his plant. Tyreek's okay. Nobody gonna, can keep nobody can keep up with him. One of these days we are going to do this, okay? We're going to sit down and watch Tyreek Hill film 
and I'm going to show you he's a shitty route runner who doesn't have good hands, and you'll realize I'm right. Break down more film than just the highlights of him catching deep balls, and you'll see that I'm not wrong. I'm just ahead of the curve on calling this one out. No, it should be a sign to you that, that literally no other list that has ever existed has ever put him below the top 15 that you are. No other list going into this year had Teddy Bridgewater as a top 20 quarterback, and I did. Yeah, but people have changed that now. People will not change that their views about Tyreek Hill. They haven't changed their thing about Tyreek Hill yet, but it is starting to get closer. Go look at the comments on that video. It's almost a 50-50 split of people agreeing with me and disagreeing with me. I think we're a lot closer to... Like, yeah, sure. He had a, a nice game against the Browns. He did. Oh, what the fuck? Going back just through looking at his stats and stuff. But then against the Ravens, Tyreek Hill had three catches for 14 yards. Because, oh, look at that. He yeah. couldn't get open. Against the Chargers, Tyreek Hill had five catches for 56 yards. Couldn't help his team win. What happened? Uh, he's always open. Wasn't open all game. So he, he he played well against the Eagles and the Browns, and we're going to credit him as if he's great for having two good games. That's it. He had two great games. Plenty of receivers this year have looked great twice. I don't know. I don't know. I, I do think we need to sit down and actually break down Tyreek Hill film together. I think it would be I guess we do. Great you know, great content for both of us. And if we break down film and still disagree, then we'll just never agree. Yes so. <laughs> or if we break down film, you might end up agreeing with me and be like, Holy shit, you called that way early. I know. It's I a super hot take. But I am a hundred percent confident in it. I mean, because I mean, let's be honest. When the Chiefs need eight yards, who gets the ball? It's never Tyreek. It's Travis Kelsey. No, when the Chiefs need eight yards for a first down to win the game, or they're in the red zone, it's never Tyreek Hill who gets the ball. It's Travis Kelsey. And now Josh Gordon's going to be put over Travis, uh, put over Tyreek Hill in those situations, because you can trust his hands more. But Tyreek Hill also has the best receiver. Travis Kelsey is also the best tight end in the league. But, I mean, we You wouldn't we trust also... others. I'm not, I'm, you, sure. know, you can't tell me you're throwing a Tyler Conklin before you're throwing a Tyreek Hill. In the red zone? Absolutely. Have you not seen Gronklin lately? But... I have. Because he's on my fantasy team now. Let me, t- <laughs> let, me, let me look at his game log. Yeah, he had like let me... one good game, man. Let me, let me do you a favor. <laughs> No, yeah. he had that one even... game. No, but Travis Kelsey's quadrupled his fantasy points. Hundred percent, yeah. But I so I wouldn't try, try, trust Conklin over Tyreek Hill. Are you kidding? Yeah, that one might be a bit aggressive. I'll trust Adam Thielen over Tyreek Hill inside the twenty yard line, though. Every every fucking time. I'll trust Mike Williams over know, him. Man. I'll trust Keenan Allen over him. I'll trust. 
Justin Jefferson. Probably not Cooper Cup, but right. CD Lamb better than Cooper Cup. No, inside the red zone, I wouldn't trust either of them. They're neither of them are that skill set. Not really. I don't know. I we will have to get together and break down film one day when we both have time. I'm a hundred percent down. Good. Okay, I'm down too. But well, other than that, uh, what other takes did I have that should piss people off? I don't think I've had any others. Yeah, no. I just have a quick question before you before yeah. you before we go. Yeah. For our for so we're gonna record an episode of my podcast tomorrow. Yeah. How effectively can you talk about college football? Depends on which parts of college football. I just want I I basically wanted to just talk about like the 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 playoff changes for teams like Cincinnati and stuff. Now that Alabama lost, um, I can. Do you want to so, look into it a little bit more before we record? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I want to do a little but, bit of research. Yeah, I just, before wanted, I just wanted to prepare you because I okay. do want to talk about that a little okay. bit tomorrow. Okay. All right. I mean. If it comes to like Oklahoma, I got gotcha. you. I can definitely. Talk oh, about I do. It I you. do want to talk about Oklahoma. I do want to talk about. Oklahoma <laughs> I can. I can sure. get all over some of that. <laughs> and then it's easy right. to talk about Alabama now. I need to look in mm-hmm. more to Cincinnati and a couple other yeah, teams with yeah. actual playoff aspirations. Yep. But yeah. Well, all appreciate right. you coming on. Can't wait to record oh, that course. episode with time. you. Yeah. And we'll see I can't wait to record breaking down Tyree Kill film and proving you wrong on this one. Can't wait to do that. I guess we'll see, right? I guess we'll see. Or I'll right. be wrong. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I <laughs> maybe I'm just seeing the thing is we have to place. we have to have a neutral we have to have a neutral source organize the film. The, right. Because because if either of us do it we're just gonna pick plays that support right. us. You're gonna pick plays that make them look great. We're gonna have to I'm have pick plays some kind that make of them outside, look terrible. Some, I'm going to have to have some kind of outside source organize the film without work. See, I was going to say we can totally just pull all the Chiefs offensive film together, cut out running plays, and then just watch what Tyreek Hill does during all their offensive plays. That way we're seeing the big plays, but we're also seeing everything else. Because I will admit he's probably the best big play receiver in the NFL. There's no one who can break it open like he can. The issue is, what happens when you don't need him to break it open? He then falls way low. We're going to argue about this for now. Yep, yep, yep. You got to go. I got to go. So I got to go, yep. I do appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for being on. It was definitely good conversations. Fun time. We'll see you. Later, man. All right, chat. I think that'll do it for this episode. So thank you for coming and hanging out. Let me know what you think of the Tyreek Hill drama I've started. You'll happily keep Amari Cooper over Tyreek Hill? Same. But uh, for now, that'll do it for this week. So thanks for watching. We'll catch you in the next one.